Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. Welcome to Swerve Church. So glad that you guys chose to spend some time with us this morning, especially as we tackle and open up this brand new series um, called How to Neighbor. And as we talk about this hot button issue, racism. And we talk about this, you know, it's a brand new series. There's one question that haunts me more than any other question. I've talked about this multiple times. You've probably heard me say this before. But there's one question that haunts me is this question right here when it comes to the church. If the doors of your church close tomorrow, would anybody from the community miss it? If the doors of your church close tomorrow, would anybody from your community miss it? My prayer is that we would become a community of Jesus followers that are so in love with Jesus, that we are so for one another, that we are so for our neighbors in our community, that people would like protest and picket and be like, no way, if this was ever to happen, Swerve Church's doors cannot close. We cannot have Swerve Church closed. We need these doors open. I want to be that much good news to this neighborhood that that would happen. If that was ever to happen, that that's what would take place. That's the type of church that I want us to be. And for the next four weeks, we want to talk about how we can be good neighbors. How can we be good neighbors? How can we be good news to our community? So often, the attention of any particular church can turn so quickly in the blink of an eye, it can turn inward so fast. It can very quickly be from a neighborhood focus to being for the community and focus on our community to being inward focused right away and all worried about ourselves. But we want to make sure that we remain a church that's not just in Bushwick, but for Bushwick. We want to make sure that we keep that in, our for, in the forefront of our minds. And that we're always constantly keeping that in the forefront of what we talk about, what we communicate. That we're not just in Bushwick, but we are for this community. Now, Barrios just finished reading a passage of scripture. And there was a time when Jesus was addressing a crowd, as he often would a lot of times, and someone got up. To ask him a question. Now this person that got up to ask Jesus this question. He was trying to quiz Jesus. He was trying to give him a pop quiz. Bible Jeopardy. Kind of I'm going to catch you aha in your answer type of question. Right? And he was trying to fool Jesus. He was, trying to, he was trying to get Jesus with this question. He was trying to get him to slip up in something. And he asked Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns the question back on him. Back on him. And he tells him. Well how do you interpret the law? How would you answer that question? And the man answers. Well, it's, I, I think you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus nods his head and shows them, hey man, the price is right. You got the correct answer. Bible Jeopardy, correct. You got the answer. But then the guy and turns the question on him. He asks him another question. Luke chapter 10, verse 29. This is when you guys can take out your notes. The Bible verses are there. So if you want to follow along in there, or if you have your Bibles, feel free to take out your Bibles and follow along right there. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 29. Here's what he says. But wanting to justify himself, this is the guy that's asking the question. He says, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? You see, for this guy, not just anyone could be labeled neighbor. It wasn't just proximity. It wasn't just whoever was close to him. And certainly, there's no way Jesus could have expected him to love and to call a neighbor the a sinful, law-breaking, non-Jewish, non-church-going heathen, right? There's no way that that guy could be his neighbor, right? And so to answer this man's question, Jesus tells him a story. 
And it went a little something like this. Now, if you guys permit me, I want to Brooklynify this a little bit. I want to bring it home and try to connect this story in, in our own kind of, kind of way. So tell me if you understand it this way. Imagine this. One day, dude is walking down Nickelbacker Ave, right? He got his beats on. He's walking. He's just minding his own business. He's whistling or whatever. He's listening to some music. Maybe he's on his way to pay some bills or to cop some J's or whatever, right? And he's listening to some music, minding his own business, walking down the Ave. All of a sudden... He's surrounded by five dudes. They come up on him. They come. They surround him. They come from nowhere. And as you can already guess, they're up to no good. They eyeball the guy, and the guy's like, what do I do? There's no way out of this. And the five guys jump him. They jump him. They, they give this kid a beating. They take his beats. They take his money out of his pocket. They strip him. They, they rip his sneakers off his feet, and they leave him right on the avenue. They leave him in a puddle of his own blood. Now, the people that are walking by, they don't do anything. Some of them... They just crossed the street. They were like, oh, man, I don't want to be a part of that. And they crossed the street. Other ones, they took out their phone so they could Snapchat it or put it up or put a Facebook live stream. But nobody did anything. Nobody called 911. Nobody tried to stop the onslaught. Man, they, they pummeled this guy on the avenue. and they leave him in a puddle of his own blood. Finally, someone walks by. And this dude doesn't look like an ordinary guy. In fact, he's wearing a suit, a pinstripe suit. He's wearing a tie. And, if, and, and as you look closer, he's actually carrying a big old Bible under his hand. So sure, he, it turns out he's a pastor. And so surely this pastor, he has to come and stop and help this guy who's bleeding and he's on in a puddle of his own blood on the app. Surely this guy is going to help him out. But of course, he doesn't. He, in fact, he just ignores the guy. He keeps his head, he keeps looking forward. And he pretends like he's not even there. He walks right on by without even giving him a glance. Well, all of a sudden, another guy comes by. Now, this guy, surely he's going to stop. He got ripped up skinny jeans, a plaid shirt. He got a Bible verse tattooed on his arm. He got a cool haircut, a, a guitar hanging from his back. It's a worship pastor, right? A real hip worship pastor. Looked like he just came off a magazine or like a relevant magazine or whatever. He just came off the cover. And he's walking by. Surely this guy going to stop, right? I mean, he has love your neighbor tattooed on his arm. But lo and behold... He walks right on past two, and he doesn't stop. In this story that Jesus is telling us, he introduces us a third character. And this third person, it's a new character. Nobody, it, it blindsided everybody. Everybody thought the pastor, everybody thought the worship leader would have stopped and helped this guy. But then this third character says this in verse 33. But a who? What does it say? But a Samaritan. Would you guys circle that phrase right there, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man beaten in the puddle of his own blood on Nicobaca Ave, he had compassion. And he went over to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. Jesus introduces this Samaritan character. Now, this is super relevant, guys, because the Samaritans were a result of Jews who intermarried with a pagan nation. And the result of that intermarrying and that intermingling was a mixed race with a mixed religion. And so in the eyes of the Jews, they were bad news. They, they would not associate, they would not affiliate with the Samaritan nations. They would never interact with them. And so the very fact that Jesus is introducing this person into the story, he's really trying to ruffle some feathers. 
He's trying to ruffle some feathers and he's trying to he's trying to disrupt the prejudices and the status quo of those day of that day. And on top of all that, not only is the Samaritan in the story, but he's not the bad guy. He's the hero. The Samaritan in the story is the hero. The Samaritan man allows the condition of the hurt man to disrupt his day. He, he took his time to bandage up his wounds and even to bring him into town. And he paid for the man's hospital bill, so to speak. And then Jesus poses the question after he tells this whole story. He poses the question to the man, who is a neighbor to this man? Who is a neighbor to the man that was jumped, left in a puddle of his own blood on Nicobaca Ave? Who was his neighbor? The man answers, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus looks at him square in the eyeballs and he tells him, go and do likewise. And then Jesus drops the mic. Ultimately, Jesus was challenging the societal norms of the day and showing the sinfulness behind their reasoning. I think we still do this today. I think till this day, we still battle with a lot of the same issues at the same time that Jesus did. Why? Because sin still exists. And if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write this down. This fill in the blank is this. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Racism is not a skin issue. It is a sin issue. And as long as sin runs through our veins, we will continue to deal with things like racism, prejudice, favoritism, injustice, and so on and so forth. James talks about this in the New Testament. In fact, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to read this verse with me. But James talks about this. Apparently, in the early church, not only was there prejudice because of race, but there was also classism. In other words, those with more, with more money were being treated than those who weren't, who didn't have as much. James says this. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me? You can read it with me. It's in your notes and up on the screen. Ready? Go. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so for the rest of our time, we want to try and answer this question right here. How do we neighbor those different than us? How do we neighbor those different than us? I think this is an especially important question for us to answer. Why? Because of the neighborhood that we live in. It's so important that we answer this question because of our community. Guys, Bushwick is about two square miles. It's home to over 120,000 people. Of those that call Bushwick home, 65% of the population is Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, Ecuadorian, so on and so forth. You most definitely, you're going to hear Spanish music in the street. You go to the bodegas, the shop owners, and the restaurants, they speak Spanish, right? You're going to hear uh, Spanish music blaring out of the car radios and out of the shops on, 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 on the abs. People speak Spanish. After that, the next biggest group in Bushwick is our Afro-American, Afro-Caribbean brothers and sisters at 20% of the population. So we're talking about 65% Hispanic, about 20% black. But as you know, our neighborhood, which has been predominantly Hispanic for many years, has been diversifying even more due to a thing called gentrification. Now, while we can open up a whole can of worms about gentrification, that's not necessarily what we're talking about today. That's not the purpose of this message, but instead to ask ourselves the question, how can we neighbor those different than us. As Bushwick continues to change, 
how can we neighbor well both those who are in this community, who are part of this community, and those that are new that are coming in, no matter their skin color, no matter their background, no matter their social class, no matter their belief system. How can we neighbor those different than us? Here's three things, guys, that I think that we can pull away from this parable that we just uh, looked at from Jesus. There's probably a lot more than we can pull off and dissect from this parable, but here's three things. Number one in your notes, recognize our prejudices. Recognize our prejudices. It's so easy to expose and to pull apart and to decimate and destroy someone else's sin, isn't it? It's so easy to pull out and to pick out other people's sin. But it's extremely difficult to look at in the mirror. It's very difficult to examine and to see it in the mirror, isn't it? It's really easy to point it out in others, but it's so difficult to see it in ourselves. And maybe that's why Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 42. He said, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the splinter out of that. In your, let me take the splinter that is in your eye when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you'll be able to see clearly and take the splinter in your brother's eye. I like another version. Another version of the Bible says, how can you try to take out the speck in your brother's eye? When you have a log sticking out of your own forehead, right? And you don't see that, right? It says, take out the log sticking out of your forehead, then you can help your brother to remove a splinter. Take a hard look in the mirror and recognize your own prejudices. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan that what we just finished reading to an audience that was blind to their own prejudices. In fact, they thought that they were doing right. They were doing the right and religious thing by simply loving the neighbor that looked like them. They thought they were doing the right thing. I know how difficult this can be because no one likes letting their skeletons out of their closet, even if it's just between you and God. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. So this week, here's your homework. Here's your homework. Spend time in prayer and ask God this week. Ask God this week to reveal to you the sin in your heart, specifically when it comes to the prejudices that we hold. Take time to pray and ask God, God, reveal. Praise David's prayer. Search my heart, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. What are the sinful thoughts within me? Specifically when it comes to the prejudices that we hold. I believe two things will happen when you do that. I really believe that, first of all, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And He's going to show you where that sin is. Secondly, God will begin to heal you and restore you. I really believe that's what will happen. So first thing, what do we do? We recognize our prejudices. Here's the second thing. We seek to understand others. We seek to understand others. Now, it takes great humility to do this. It takes great humility because for the most part, we simply want to look out for number one. And who's number one? I am, right? You are, right? We, we are. Our own, our own opinion matters. What I think really matters most and what, more than what you think. Our opinions matter. Our thoughts matter most. And we don't care what anyone else has to say. We don't consider how it might make the other person feel. We don't often think about their shoes, walking in their shoes, right? Because ultimately what matters to us is our own opinion and our own thoughts. But when Paul, Paul said this, when he was talking about humility, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, why don't we read this verse out loud together? Ready? Go. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And to do this right here takes great humility. And one of the best ways 
you can seek to understand others is to open up a dialogue. It's very difficult to understand someone that you're not in relationship with, someone that you're not having conversation with, someone that you don't have an open dialogue with. It's very difficult to understand someone from a distance. And one of the best ways that we can do that is very practically is by seeking them out and to open a dialogue. Get to know your neighbor. Very practically, it can look like say good morning. Say hello. Glance their way. Give them a smile. Guys, in New York City, it's so easy to be siloed and isolated and to live a separate life. It's so easy to do that. It's easy to live in our bubble and to never branch out, isn't it? Super easy to do that. But to seek and understand others will mean having to break out of the bubble and to reach out to someone else. It's going to take that. Now, what does this look like practically? It could be having lunch with someone, grabbing a cup of coffee with someone. It's practicing the biblical principles of of hospitality and humility, welcoming others into your home, using your home as as an opportunity to invite your neighbors over to share a meal, lunch, coffee, dinner, over with. Hopefully in these environments, when you do that, dialogue can be exchanged. An opportunity for conversation to happen. It can happen. And we can understand one another a little better. If we did that. Here's what we want to do. We want to recognize our prejudices. We want to look at that in the mirror. We want to ask God. God, reveal in our hearts. Open in our show. Show me, God, where are their prejudices? Where is their sin in my heart? The second thing we want to do is seek to understand others. Perhaps invite someone for a cup of coffee. Have lunch with somebody. Invite them over for dinner. Commence the dialogue. And here's the third thing, number three in your notes. Love those different from you. Love those different from you. The Samaritan in Jesus' parable demonstrated love not to someone who looked like him, not someone from his same race or, 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 or religion or belief. He did this to a stranger. He showed love to this stranger. And even though he looked different than him, even though he believed differently than him, He showed love. And it's important that we love those different from us. Super important that we do that. And when you do this, guess what? It's going to be weird at first. It's going to be weird. It might be awkward. It might be super difficult. Because because it's so easy, guys, for us to reach out to someone that looks like us. It's so easy to connect with, relate to, start a dialogue, conversation with someone who looks like me. It's so easy to do that. But to, do, with someone, to, to connect with and have a dialogue with someone who doesn't, someone who's different, someone from a different social class, different skin color, it's very difficult to do. And so to begin that dialogue, it might be very difficult. But what in life that is worth anything doesn't cost anything? Anything that's worth something costs something, right? So for the Samaritan man, look at what it cost him to do what he did. It literally cost him. It cost him his time. As he stopped from his, from his voyage, wherever he was going, wherever he was heading, he stopped. It cost him his time as he stopped to bandage the wounds. It was an inconvenience as he picked up the body weight of this man and put him on his donkey. And then he went out of his way to bring him to the inn. It was costly as he put up out of his own pocket and his own cash to pay for the proverbial hospital bill for this man to stay at an inn. It cost him something. And it will for you as well. As you step out to love those different than you. 
It's going to cost you something. Now, perhaps, perhaps you ask yourself, Danny, why does it even matter? Why? Why do I have to do that? Ultimately, it matters. Here's why. Because we all need Jesus. Whether you're white, black, Latino, Asian, or what have you, we all need Jesus. We all have this in common, that we're all sinners before a holy and righteous God. And that holy and righteous God loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for our sinfulness and pay the penalty for our sin, no matter where we come from, no matter the color of our skin. Jesus rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And we all stand sinful before a holy and righteous God. But for those who put their faith in Jesus, no matter the race or skin color, we can all stand righteous and forgiven. Look at what Galatians 3.28 says. Let's read this verse out loud together. Ready? Go. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ. Maybe you guys want to underline that last part of that verse right there. Since we are all one in Christ. We are all one. You see, in Christ... We are all made one. Jesus is the equalizer. Jesus is the one and only unifying factor. Guys, apart from the gospel, what reason do I have to love someone different than me? Why? Why would I have to apart from the gospel? But because I am loved by Jesus, I can love others. Because you are loved by Jesus, you can love others. Because we have experienced this great gift of love and acceptance, we can love and accept others, even those that are different than us. We can welcome them into our faith family. We can welcome them into community. We can do life together. We can celebrate our differences while celebrating what unites us all, the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, my question is this. This is this, is, this guy's the, the reason why this is such a big deal to me is because of this right here. This is my question, okay? Could we hope to become a diverse body of believers? Could we swerve, church? Could we hope to become a diverse body of believers? Is it possible for our church, for swerve church, to reflect our community, to reflect our neighborhood, Guys, is, is it even a possibility, guys? Am I dreaming too big? Is it, is it too impossible? Is it a dream that's too far-fetched for us to be able to see diver, a diverse community of people come together? If it is possible, what would it take? What would it take to see this happen? Guys, I want to see this happen. I want to see a diverse community. Our community is diverse. And no matter where you stand on the stands of gentrification, no matter how much you're affected by it, what I do know, I know this. I know that Jesus loves everyone. And that He came to seek and save the lost. And it doesn't matter whether you lived in the community all your life or you're brand new to the neighborhood. Jesus loves you. And Jesus sent His Son to die in your place. To pay the penalty for your sin. And he died to make us all one. Guys, is there, is there an ounce of hope, guys? Or is this a false dream? To think that we can love and serve not just people that look like us. Yes, they need Jesus too. Yes, our Latino community, they need Jesus. And we will continue to reach and love and serve them. 
in my, in my building, there's 36 family. They're all Hispanic in our in my in my community, my literal neighbor neighbor. The people that live next to me, they're all Hispanic. But down the block, across the street, those that look different than us, is there an ounce of hope that we can build a bridge that the gospel compels us to love and serve those different than us? Guys, is there an ounce of hope that we can see even more diversity in our church? What do you think? What would it take? I love the picture that the book of Revelations paints for us. Check this out. Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Tell me what you think about this. After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and every language, which no one can number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This picture in the book of Revelations is a picture of heaven where every nation, tribe, people, every tongue, every language, all clothed in white, clothed by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What if we could bring a slice of heaven down to earth now? What if we could just bring just a slice of that? What if we could see that happen? What if we could see a beautiful picture of that diversity right now, right here? It begins with learning how to neighbor. It begins with learning how to love. Not just those that look like us, but those that don't. Recognize our prejudices. Seek to understand others. Love those different than you. Learn how to neighbor. I love that. I think this series is going to be very challenging for us. But I hope that it's one that, that will help us to learn how to, how to neighbor well, how to love and serve our neighbor, and how to cross, cross the street, how to break through the awkwardness, the difficulty of that, to be able to love and serve even those that don't look like us and to invite them into community. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, I just understand how... Uh, how difficult this is, uh, really, and how divided our community is, how divided our nation is right now. And I just know, Lord, how, I mean, this is a big task. But we serve a God and nothing is impossible for Him, and that nothing is too big for Him. And so, God, we, we pray. For some reason, God, you've placed this conviction on our hearts we want to see it happen God so God reveal sin in our hearts reveal the areas of our lives where we are prejudiced reveal that sin God we repent of that sin we ask you to forgive us God we ask that you replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh and fill it with love for all people for everyone in our community God, and help us, Lord, because in particular, God, I know that there's no, there's no hatred here. We have no hatred, God, but there's no intentionality to try to reach those, and to talk to those, and to dialogue with those that don't look like us. So, God, we repent of that lack of effort. We pray, God, that you would give us boldness. We pray for opportunities, God, to be able to 
commence a dialogue, a conversation, and to invite some into relationship, Lord, to invite them into our faith community. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would soften hearts, both ours and theirs and others, as we start those conversations, and that they would respond to the gospel, that they would respond to an invite to community. God, and I pray that we would see a beautiful picture of heaven right here on earth. I pray, God, that we would see that happen. And I pray, God, that you would use Swerve to make a difference in our community. Lord, I pray against the injustice. There's so much injustice in our community, especially when it comes to gentrification and those that are being displaced and losing their homes. And God, we just pray for mercy, uh, God, for those experiencing that. But we pray as a church that you would help us, Lord, to reach all people. Because you chance your son to die in the place of all people. And I pray, God, that we give a glimpse of the gospel, that we will put that we will put a, we will give a picture of the gospel right here, that we would begin many conversations, that many relationships would start. All because of you. We pray this in the matchless and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.